Welcome to the Life Church of Kansas City podcast. Please consider following, sharing, and supporting by giving at tlckcmo.com. May you be blessed by the Word of God. Proverbs 4.18, the path of the just is like the shining sun that shines ever brighter unto the perfect day. Let me read that from the NIV. That's the nearly inspired version. Proverbs 4.18, the path of the righteous is like the morning sun shining ever brighter till the full day, till the full light of day. I love that. So when you get on this path of the righteous, or if I could even call it the path of truth, sometimes it's like an early morning, just a faint light that's coming. But if you keep walking in that light, the light continues to get brighter. And then John 12, 35. John 12, 35. I'm reading this from the NLT. The reason I use different versions is I find the one that says what I want it to say, and then that's the one that I use. John 12, 35. Jesus replied, My light will shine for you just a little longer. Walk in the light while you can. So Jesus indicates to us that there will be a time when you won't be able to walk in the light. But he said, walk in the light while it's shining on you. And see, the light is moving and you've got to walk with that light. He said, so that darkness will not overtake you. If you could walk a thousand miles an hour, the sun would never set on you because that's how fast the earth is rotating. When that light shines and then you just keep walking in that light, it would never set. I'm going to be in Alaska, Lord willing, this week, suffering for the Lord at a camp meeting. And guys, I won't be able to do any fishing. I'm basically going in to preach, be back on Saturday. But uh, this time of year, it's light almost 24 hours a day. And it's really a strange phenomenon. But grasp this concept. Jesus said, when the light shines on you, don't stop but keep walking. And so my message today is entitled, Walk in the Light. Before you see it, turn to somebody, give them a high five, say, Walk in the Light. So I have a very blurry black and white picture I want to show you this morning. This is a gentleman passed away many years ago. His name is George Bai. And he was one of the ministers in the local church that my sister and sister Ellie Tonak grew up in. He was a fisherman from Norway and had a very strong Norwegian accent. And he wore those thick glasses. You can sort of get a sense of that. And he loved God. And he was never ashamed of Jesus. And I walked into Dairy Queen one day, and he was at the front of the counter. He was saying to the employees there, do you know my Jesus? 
And he was talking in that strong accent. They probably didn't understand one word he said. But my dad tells a story that one night he called our house. It was actually 2 o'clock in the morning. He was a little uh, time challenged. And he called the house and, you know, he, my dad, you know, picked up the phone. Hello? And, and the other voice on the line said, praise the Lord, Brother Greason. My dad said, well, praise the Lord, Brother Bye." He said, oh, you recognize my voice. He had called to get somebody's phone number. <laughs> Two o'clock in the morning. But my pastor, S.G. Norris, would have Brother By lead songs once in a while. Those were the days when we had song leaders. No praise team. You know, just a keyboard, piano, organ, maybe a few instruments, free for all in the orchestra. And uh, the song leader, he'd get up and announce the hymn, and then they'd give an introduction. And how many remember those days? Sure. And uh, so he was leading worship, and my father-in-law was preaching, visiting from Little Rock. And I was 13 years old, and I still remember my father-in-law, Charles Dyson, what an impression he made on me. Little did I realize I would marry his baby daughter, the queen, a few years later. But anyway, he loved to tell this story about Brother Bai. And Brother Bai stopped the worship service, and he said, Church, I want you to know God gave me great revelation. I have a great revelation. And he went on and on for three or four or five minutes about this great revelation. And we're like, this great revelation, what's this going to be? And he said, here is the revelation. The Lord spoke to me and said, George, there's room for improvement. That was sort of over-promising and under-delivering. <laughs> but it sort of does open the message today that no matter where you are in your relationship with God, there's always something more. There's always a next step. There's, there's always some way to become more of what he has called you to be. Amen. I, I'm thankful that God loves us the way we are. I'm thankful that while we were yet sinners, Romans 5, 8, Christ died for us. But he loves us too much to leave us the way we were when he found us. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Let me tell you how this works. I say something just great. And if you like it, you say Amen. And he loves us too much to leave us the way we are. Amen? Amen. Praise God. And we're on a journey. Come on, turn to somebody and say, we're on a journey. Perhaps there's something more for someone here today to obey that Jesus said. Jesus said, teach your disciples to obey everything that I've commanded you. And someone took the time to catalog those commands. And there are 150 explicit commands and another 150 implicit commands, 300 commands that Jesus gave us. How are you doing with those? 300 commands. There's always something more to obey. If you're a serious and committed follower of Jesus Christ, you should never get to the place where you know it all. 
or where you've seen it all or where you've received it all or where you've heard it all or where you've done it all. That may be the case where you work. That may be the case maybe in a family context, but that will never be the case in your walk with God. You will never exhaust the kingdom of God. You will never exhaust this book called God's Word. You'll never be able to understand it all, to figure it all out, to pontificate with expertise on every single verse in the Bible. In fact, the Bible by nature is a book of revelation. It's a book of revelation. Have you ever had somebody recommend a book to you to read? They said, oh man, that's the greatest book. You need to read this book. It's amazing. It changed my life. You're excited. You pick up a copy and you get about three chapters and you're like, what? This is the worst book I've ever read in my life. There's a reason for that. When the person who recommended the book read it, they were not in the same place in their life where you are when you're reading the book. So don't throw it away. Don't give it away. Put it on the shelf. And maybe someday when you get to wherever they were, the book will talk to you. Because a book is only as good as where you are when you're reading it. And, 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 and the Bible is sort of, it's, a, it's in a class all by itself. But it's similar because how many of you have had the experience where you've, you read a, you've read a scripture, you know, five times, ten times, twenty times. And you know, that's a great verse. But then one day you're reading it and wham! You know what I'm talking about? Why is that? That's because you are in a different place today than you've ever been when you've read that scripture before. That's why you've got to get this book out every day and read it because tomorrow you're going to be at a different place than where you are today and you might miss something that God wants to say to you. I'll give you a personal example. So, I grew up in a preacher's home. I was a Bible quizzer. Uh, I've got a Bible in my office that I received when I was nine years old for uh, reciting the books of the Bible. I could still do it in probably less than 30 seconds. And uh, don't, don't get me started. And, and I cherish that Bible. So I've, I've been raised on the Bible. I, I, I love the Bible. I've been privileged to to earn my livelihood up from the Word of God and preaching the Word of God is the greatest privilege ever given to anyone to live of the gospel. But I will tell you that on June the 5th, 1988, when I was broken and I was crushed, I'd already been full-time in ministry for 10 years. I've been married for 10 years. We had two children. And, and I was a pa- I'd been a pastor and I'd resigned a church I'd served for five years and and, and just the world caved in on me and I was lost. I literally felt doubly lost because I knew how to be saved, but I felt lost. Is that pretty transparent? I felt far from God. I didn't think God was listening to me. I didn't think God was helping me. I was angry with God. Is that pretty transparent? Have you ever been angry with God? Just look straight ahead. <laughs> can I tell you something? God can handle it. God can handle it if you ever get frustrated. Just keep it real. Just be real with God. That's the only thing that he asked. He that cometh to God must believe that he is 
and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And I got on my face that night and I said, God, I am not leaving this room. I was supposed to go out and preach in a church that night. I said, I'm not leaving this room. I screamed it until you give me a desire to do it. And I fell to my, to my knees. I was in a suit and tie. I was on the ground. I didn't care. I started crying, probably in self-pity. But after a while, the Holy Spirit began to move on me. And I heard in my ear, 1 Corinthians 15, 10. I'm like, what? I should know what that says. I look it up. And Paul says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. I'd read that a hundred times. But today, I was in a place I had never been. And I thought that I had to suck it up and pull myself up by my bootstraps and just be a preacher and just get out there and take one for the team. But I didn't realize that grace is not only what saves us, but grace is the energy. It's the fuel. It's the desire that gives us the power to do what God is calling us to do. It changed my life. And then when I finally sort of recover from that revelation, in about five minutes, the Holy Spirit says, Philippians 2.13. I didn't know what Philippians 2.13 said, and I'm pawing through the scriptures, and I'm like, Philippians 2.13, what does that say? And it says, God is at work in you, giving you the desire to do what he wants you to do, and then giving you the power to do it. And I had just prayed, God, I'm not leaving this room until you give me the desire to do it. And God picks the one verse out of the Bible that I needed to hear. Hallelujah. I'm here to tell you the Bible is a book of revelation. And God has a word for the hungry. He has a word for the thirsty, and it's only as good as where you are when you read it. Let's clap our hands again to the Lord and praise him today. Hallelujah. Praise God. So in this walk with God, we never get to this place where, you know, we get a diploma. And we're in a cap and gown, and God says, You may now tune your tassels, so thank you. And then we just sort of chill till Jesus comes. No, that's not the way it works. I'll never forget, I walked into a church in South Bend, Indiana, when I was an itinerant speaker, and there was an 85-year-old man walked up to me, shook my hand, about crushed me, about fell to my knees. A guy had a bare handshake, and he said, young man, I'm still after it. 85 years old, I guess he's in church. That means he's still after God. (laughs) And he was the first one on his feet and he was a worshiper. And I thought, man, I was about 35 years old. I thought, that's exactly what I want. I got another 50 years of being excited and moving forward in my walk with God. So this journey with Christ is ever upward. It's ever expanding. It's ever reaching. You'll never exhaust God. He may be the omniscient one. But you and I are not. We will never know all there is to know about him. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, always keep a teachable spirit. Stay teachable. The teachers that are here today, you know that when you stop learning, you stop teaching. Right? Let me tell you how this works. 
When we stop learning, we stop teaching. And Paul said in Ephesians 3.18, that we may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and breadth and height to know the love of Christ that passes knowledge. I love this. Look at the tension. He says that we might know, that we might know what is the length, breadth, width, and height. But then he says to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. You sort of see, you know, God will give you enough that you need to hang on to, but then there's always something else to reach for. Amen. So we can know the love of Christ, but there's always going to be something more. There's always going to be something else. Isaiah 9, 7 says of Jesus, prophecy of Jesus, of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. So I want to ask you today, is the kingdom expanding in you? Jesus said, I I want my joy to be in you that your joy may be full. And then he said, the kingdom is within you. And I want to tell you that this kingdom is ever expanding. Don't shrink the kingdom. Don't limit the kingdom. Don't confine the kingdom. Don't put the kingdom in your box. But let it, let it grow. Let it reach. Let it expand. The Bible is sort of like an onion. And my friend Norm Pasley, his dad used to eat onions like an apple. I don't recommend it. But, a, but an onion, what happens when you peel back an onion? There's another what? There's another layer right there. And when you're peeling back revelation, there's always something else to understand. There's always something else to comprehend. And I thank God that we have, a, that we have such a gospel And we have such a Bible. And we have such a kingdom. Listen, there's a lot of things in life that are boring. But walking with Jesus is not boring. Paul well understood this progressive journey in walking with Christ. Paul had an ever-expanding quest to know Jesus in every conceivable manner. And if you want to know what the life church is all about, it's all about Jesus. If it's not about Jesus, it's not about nothing. But we are into Jesus. We are into loving him, serving him, worshiping him, giving our lives to him, sharing others what he's revealed to us about him. Amen. Is that why you're here? Is that what you're about? This is, we're all about Jesus. We're all about Jesus. We're Jesus everything. Paul said, whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of Jesus. So we're about Jesus here at the Life Church. And Paul had this quest. His heart's desire was passionately expressed in Philippians 3, chapter 3, verse 10. He said that I may know him in the power of his resurrection. And the fellowship of his suffering, being conformed to his death. There is so much in that one verse that I don't, I'm not going to take the time today to unpack totally. But here's what I want you to take away. 
Think about this. Think about who said this, that I may know him in the power's resurrection. Don't sit there and say, well, you know, yeah, I've been in the church 50 years. I've seen it all, heard it all, done it all. I've exhausted it all. I don't think so. I'm sorry to have to correct you today. But this is what Paul said, that I may know him. Think about this. He's already been in the ministry for 30 years. He's had fellowship with Jesus through his extreme suffering. Paul said, I bear about in my body the dying of the Lord Jesus. One commentary suggested that Paul was literally saying that the corpse condition of Jesus on the cross was being reproduced in his body. And why wouldn't it be? 195 scars he bore. Three times he suffered shipwreck. And he was stoned in Lystra and left for dead. They thought they had killed him. And the disciples gathered around him and he revived and he went on down the road and continued to preach. And he spent three years in the Arabian desert where he said that he had a personal appearance, a post-resurrection appearance of Jesus Christ. Paul had ascended into the third heaven. Perhaps it was when he was stoned that time. And he heard unspeakable words that he could not even repeat. This man who said, I still want to know him, wrote 13 of the 27 books of the New Testament as he was inspired by the Holy Spirit. This man who said, I haven't exhausted him, had made 17 personal disciples who turned around and made 30 more. So he had 47 disciples in his personal discipleship tree. This man who said, I haven't figured him all out yet, started many, 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 many churches across Europe. This man preached to governors and kings and emperors. If anyone could have sat down, sat back, relaxed, and swung on his own coattails for the rest of his life, it was this man. But he well understood this is not how walking with God works. Paul is still pursuing him. He's still reaching for more. He's still hungry and he's still growing and he wants to learn and he wants to pursue. Listen to chapter 3, Philippians 3 verse 12. He said, not that I have already attained or that I'm already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting everything that's behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. Friends, if you've got that, you've got it. If that's your life verse, then you got it. If that's how you feel, then I'm excited about your future. If, that, if that's what makes you get up in the morning, then you've got a promising future pressing toward the mark. Paul was reaching. He was stretching for everything. Praise God. Wow. Turn to somebody and say, that's how I feel. That's how I feel. 
wise man said, when you get in the light, don't let the light move on. Say, oh, that was a nice flash of light. No, when you get in the light, walk with the light. I sort of think of a, an actor on a stage. And it's dark and suddenly the spotlight hits him. And I don't know if the spotlight's following him or if he's following the spotlight. But if he stays in that light, then his path is illuminated. And I want to tell you that John said in John chapter 1 verse 9 that Jesus Christ is the light that lighteth every man or we could say every human that has come into the world. Praise God. Praise God. I got a message for you today. I hadn't even got there yet, but I'm getting there right now. Jesus Christ is the light. He is the true light. Amen. He is the true light. He's the only light. This world is covered with a gross darkness. But when the light of Jesus Christ shines on you, now I know what some of you are thinking. Well, what about the headhunters in South America that don't have a Bible? They've never had a missionary. In fact, they killed every missionary that came by. You know, somebody's always got some ridiculous argument. Well, I got, I got book on you. Psalm 19 once says, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows his handiwork. Jesus Christ has already lit up this world. And anybody that is tired of their sin, they're tired of their ridiculous religion that hasn't done anything for them, they're tired of man-made traditions that can't change a life, could never cast out a devil, could never deliver anybody from addiction, from alcoholism, for drugs. I'm going to tell you something. Tradition can't do that. Amen. And, 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 and prescribed man ways, man-made ways cannot do that. There is only one deliverance for addiction, and that is the light of Jesus Christ. And he has already lit up this world. And anybody that's in darkness, and that's everybody who is not walking in the light of Jesus Christ, can have their lamp lit. Oh. And then Jesus said, you are the light of the world. I love our Christmas candlelight service. And we have, you know, these little electric lights, battery operated, and we flip them on and we touch the one next to us and then they turn the light on and then the next one and the next one and the next one. That's what's going on. Jesus said, let your light, that's not our light, that's his light. You got that light? You're blessed today. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm probably going to preach a sermon. Everything I need to know, I learned in Sunday school. Everything I need to know, I learned in my Sunday school songs. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. And sometimes when I hear that song, I'm like, ah, oh, not that again. Hide it under a bushel. No. That's exactly, listen, this world is lit. I know that evil men and seducers are waxing worse. 
I know that, that people are coming up with new ways to sin and maybe, they're, maybe not new. Just there's nothing new under the sun. Just when I think I've seen it all, I see something else that's going on in our world today. The human trafficking and all the ridiculous debauchery and the Epstein Island and, and the crazy dehumanization of, of people. I can't imagine treating somebody like that, much less a minor. But I'm going to tell you, no matter how dark and gross this world becomes, the light of Jesus Christ can still shatter it. He can break in. He can change your life today. He can deliver you today. He can give you something you've never had. You can be filled with his spirit if you've never been filled with it before. He can wash your sins away. There's always another step. There's always another action to take. Oh, and I'm going to tell you something. You don't get anything until you take a step. You don't get anything until you take a step. That's the way faith works. You got to take a step. Isaiah said, the Lord said, draw close to me. And then I'll draw close to you. That's how it works. You take a step and God takes a step. And I want to say to somebody right now who wonders whether or not you should take that step, I'm telling you, take that step because once you do, everything that you need to make that thing happen is going to come into your life. It is, it is there, but it's not going to be activated until you take that step. But once you make that commitment, amen, once you make that decision, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm getting rid of this stuff in my life. I'm going to let this go so that I can get this. Listen, in Christ, you have to give up to go up. You have to, like Paul said, I'm letting everything behind me go. I don't care anything about everything that's behind me. I'm pursuing this one thing. He didn't say these many things I dabble in. He said this one thing I do, forgetting those things that are behind me. And I'm reaching. Somebody needs to let it go. You need to forget it. You need to walk away from it. And when you take that step, grace is going to be there. Mercy's going to be there. The power of God's going to be there. Forgiveness is going to be there. Revelation will be there. If you know what I'm talking about, clap your hands to the Lord. Everybody say truth. You can come to the truth of Jesus Christ from any walk of life. And it will be an upward reach. You can come to the truth of Jesus from any theological position or persuasion. And it will, it'll be a step up for you. You never take a step down to find the kingdom or to find Jesus. It's just like the Bible language of Jerusalem. You know, the Bible says if you were going to Jerusalem, you were going up to Jerusalem. And if you were leaving Jerusalem, you were going down. It's Bible language. And the same thing, when you come to Jesus Christ, you're going up. And if you ever walk away from Jesus Christ, you are going down. The truth about the truth is that every one of us here today, if we're following Jesus, 
we all may be at different mile markers. Perhaps of revelation, understanding, obedience. You know, Harvey Pennock wrote a book. He said, if you like golf, if you love golf, you're my friend. I have it, but I never read it. <laughs> and I want to tell you that if you're following Jesus, you're my brother. You're on the right path if you're pursuing Jesus Christ. If you have that heart of Paul that I just, I want to know him. Listen, if you get on that journey, it will eventually lead you to eternal life. But you must obey and follow Jesus, the way, the truth, the life. Everybody all right? Jesus said in John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. He that follows me shall not walk in darkness, but has seen a great light. I've been reading the book of Acts all year. I'm a slow reader. Since January, I committed to read Acts over and over and over again. I'm just reading really slow. And God's talking to me. And this is really my message today. It was interesting. Brother Nix did a great job of teaching our adult class. And he's a great teacher. And he, he always leaves you something to think about and something new and whatever's next. And he challenged us to engage the people that Jesus engaged, which typically was marginalized people, marginalized from the culture. But I told him at the break this morning, I said, you know, between you and me, we got it covered A to Z because I feel like God's given me a word, not for the religiously marginalized, not for the societal or culturally marginalized. And I'm not necessarily talking about the up and inner, you know, high rollers and wealthy people. That's not what I'm talking about today. But as I read the book of Acts, hear this carefully. I think perhaps with one exception where there's any details about the conversion story, that exception perhaps would be the Philippian jailer. Every other conversion is people that are religious. Godly people. Good people. These are not people that are coming out of, should we say, cesspools of sin. These are not people that, you got to hear this today. These are not people that, I love Celebrate Recovery. I was here Thursday night. I need it. You need it. We all need it. But they probably wouldn't come to Celebrate Recovery. Why does, why does Saul of Tarsus need to come? He's blameless in the law. He doesn't have habits, hurts, and hang-ups. It's not for everybody. It's for a lot of people. Does that make sense? I, like I said, I was here. I believe in it. I support it. 
It's been my heart for five years to have Celebrate Recovery. And Paul, Kim, they're on vacation, but thank God they had a vision and it's, and it's happening. And thank you for all that are participating. But in the book of Acts, it was not the down and outers and the marginalized. I mean, think about it. Acts chapter 2, verse 5. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. The people that were filled with the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost were religious people. They were so religious, even though they were from 17 different nations and language groups, they were all devout, which means they could speak the religious language of the first century, which was Hebrew. Huh? Religious people. And I'm telling you this today because I, I believe God is doing something right now. Praise God. Acts chapter 6, verse 7. I've never heard anybody preach it except me. And I'm not patting myself on the back. But it's just when you're reading the Bible with a certain lens, you see things you've never seen before. And the Bible said, the word of God increased, the number of disciples multiplied greatly, and a great company of priests. These are not down and outers. These are not marginalized people. These are religious people. Let me... Raise your hand if you know somebody religious. Come on, everybody does. Listen. A great company of priests were obedient to the faith. I'm praying that almost every day. And I'm calling the names. I, I, I want to be careful because I'm not saying that I'm something and others are nothing. Okay. I don't want to take anything away from anybody. God give me the wisdom of Aquila and Priscilla who met an awesome man. Listen, Apollos was not a drug addict. I, you know, we've been so focused on deliverance and recovery, but I'm telling you, there are a lot of people in our city, all they need is to take one more step. They already love God. They, they already live good lives. They're godly people. They don't like what's going on in the world. They want the world to obey Jesus, but they might just need something more. They might need an, Apo they might need an Aquila or Priscilla. So go with me to Aquila and Priscilla. They walk into the synagogue and they're listening. Go stand up there, David, real quick. Right there, get up on the pulpit. Get up there on the platform. There he is. And Aquila and Priscilla. And Boy, doesn't he look good up there? And they're back here. They're listening. And they're listening to, just pretend like you're preaching. Just give it, yeah, see, he's going at it. And Aquila says to Priscilla, man, that guy knows the Bible. He knows the Bible. And the Bible said he was mighty in the scriptures. Fervent in the spirit. He knows the way of the Lord. But only the baptism of John. Following the baptism of John. So did Aquila, thank you, David. Did Aquila and Priscilla meet him after church and say, you know, Apollos, you don't have, stand up here, Dave. You know, you're a good looking guy, but you don't know beans. <laughs> Sit down. I'm going to teach you a Bible study right now. You ain't got nothing. Listen, don't take anything away from people. Don't let your insecurities pop up. I'm getting way too detailed in this. 
But, but, but when I read that, that's amazing. The Bible said they took him aside and they expounded unto him the word of God more perfectly. I'm telling you, you've got people in your life right now that are religious. They're waiting for revelation. They're praying, God, there's got to be something more for me. Lord, what about this Holy Ghost? What about speaking with tongues? I don't understand it. What about Jesus' name, baptism? I've been baptized in the titles, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. But for some reason, I never felt like I had my sin problem taken care of. And I'm praying for revelation. A great company of priests. What about Cornelius? Brother Gary has a great Bible study. On Cornelius, he's devout. He gives alms. He's generous. He prays to God always. He fears God with all his house. Religious people. Lydia is a worshiper. What do you think about this? I think God is breaking in. I didn't have this in my notes, but it just comes to me, so I'll try to follow the Lord. But I was never so amazed. Not that my notes don't follow the Lord. But. We go to India, my wife and I. C.P. Thomas has an audience of about 2,000 people. He said, Pastor, 95% are Hindus and Muslims. But they love God. They just don't know who he is. Huh? I read it this morning, Acts 17. Paul goes to Greece, and he's walking through this garden of the gods. You think Colorado has the garden of the gods? Oh, no. He goes to Mars Hill, the, the Areopagus. And it was a place where the religious intelligentsia of the day and the philosophers and the poets, they would gather and they would sort of exchange ideas. They'd like to come in here and tell new things. And, and Paul said, I walked through your images and, and I saw you had an image to every God conceivable. He said, just to cover your bases, you even had one to the unknown God. He said, that's the one I've come to declare to you. It's in your Bible, Acts 17. He said that you ignorantly worship. And he started out by saying, I perceive that you are very religious. You are very religious. <laughs> God is breaking in in the 21st century. I don't know what Roe v. Wade has to do with it, but it has something to do with it. I'm not going to lead a charge today. We finally got that thing reversed. I don't understand why it took 50 years and why now. It just seems out of place, but it's never a bad time for a good ruling from our Supreme Court. Amen. Let's thank the Lord. Come on. A lot of things I could say about that today. You may be seated. I haven't come to preach about that, but I had to say something about it because I want to tell you that the Bible said, Sin is a reproach to any people, but righteousness exalts a nation. And I don't know what this means, even in the context of what I'm preaching today. But somehow, maybe, we bought a little more time before the judgment of God falls on a nation that has murdered 63 million 
babies. And I wonder how many cures of cancer were in that group of babies and, and who could have cured COVID and, and who could have been the next great scientist and the great doctor and, and somebody to help humanity get along in this world a little better. We'll never know that story, but at least it's a good decision. It's a right decision. And it never should have been an argument from the constitution to begin with. Okay. I got all that off my chest. But when we honor God, and I just have a sense that God is up to something. And he's breaking in. You know, the Bible said in Acts 17, when Paul was preaching on Mars Hill, and I bring the message to a close. He said, that God that you ignorantly worship." That's the one I'm declaring to you. His name is Jesus Christ. You didn't even know it. You didn't even know you had an idol. But he's, Paul said he's not a, a God that can be worshipped by idols of our own creation. That doesn't even make any sense that, that we worship something that we've made with our own hands. Amen. And I'm just saying today, wherever you are, there's another step for you to take. Have you obeyed the full gospel of Jesus Christ as Peter, who was given the keys to the kingdom, preached it on the day of Pentecost? When the sinners, you might say, yes, they were because they were unyet redeemed as yet, said, men and brethren, what shall we do? They were religious, but they hadn't obeyed the gospel. Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ I'm just going to come out and say it this is what distinguishes oneness Pentecostalism from other Christian religious and even some Pentecostal there are some large Pentecostal organizations today, nobody's receiving the Holy Ghost in their congregations. They're not speaking with tongues. You know why? Because they're not preaching it. And because the largest Pentecostal organization made a decision in 1969, their board of elders said, they voted that we are going to be evangelical. And when your impulse is not to go back to the first century, then you are no longer Pentecostal as far as I'm concerned. If you want everything they had in the first century, then you're on your path to Pentecostalism. But if you abandon that, then I don't know what you are, but you're not Pentecostal. Because the spirit of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit, the impetus of it is to go back. Even Peter said, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. <laughs> we want to go back to the original. Hallelujah. He said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. For the remission of your sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all those that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Is he calling you today to obey 
the full gospel? Is he calling you today? You say, well, I've been baptized once, just like somebody just told me last Sunday. I was baptized once, but I don't think it was in the name of Jesus, and I I think I need to be baptized again. I said, well, that's what Peter preached on the day of Pentecost, and that's how 3,000 were baptized. I think you should think about that. I think you should pray about that. You don't ever want to take anything away from anybody. Celebrate it. It's an act of obedience. They did their best, but I'm here to tell you, my friend, maybe somebody today, you need to take a step out from religious tradition. Listen, religious people are tricky. They're tricky. In fact, the spirit of religion crucified Jesus. And the historic church has a trail of blood. Not the apostolic church, not the true church. Man, I'm saying some stuff today. Are you listening to me out there in TV land? I want to baptize. I don't say this arrogantly. I'm praying. I know pastors in this city that are hungry. And I'm praying, God, I want to baptize them. And I want their church to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And... We don't need them to come in to our organization. We just need them to obey the gospel because this revival is bigger. It's much bigger than us. And I just really have a sense of the spirit. Come on, let's pray like we never prayed before. When you drive by a church, point your finger at it and say, God, let truth come. Let revelation come. Religious people need to be saved too. Hallelujah. Religious people need to obey the gospel. I'm not standing up here as an expert. I'm not standing here with arrogance. I'm not standing here as one that thinks he has everything and nobody else has nothing. God knows that's not my heart today. But is there another step for you? Is there another act of obedience for you to take today? Walk in the light. Let's stand. Walk in the light. Wow. You are in the light. I guarantee you, I saved you today because I could have preached for three hours on this. I'm just preaching from the overflow of what God is saying to me. And what I'm seeing the word of God say. I want you to just, first of all, pray for yourself right now. Say, Lord, is there a step that I need to take? Is there something I need to obey? Is there something I need to act on? Is there a decision that I need to make? If you're comfortable, would you lift your hands to the Lord right now and just open your mouth and and just pray that for yourself right now. Come on, let's have a prayer meeting right now. Come on, pray for your family. Maybe your husband, your wife, your marriage, your children, your grandchildren. Lord, it's time for the next step. Come on, this is why we come to church to contact God. This is why we come to church to see what the Holy Spirit is saying. Come on, open up your mouth, lift up your voice. Lord, I'm hungry. I'm hungry. I'm forgetting those things that are behind me. Lord, I'm still trying to get a hold of the thing that got a hold of me. Come on, that's it. Are you still hungry? Are you still reaching? Oh, I wish I could get somebody to cry out to the Lord today. I wish I could get somebody to just cry out to the Lord today. Are you tired of it? 
Are you tired of mediocrity? Are you tired of compromise? Are you tired of not being effective? Is there something else that God's calling you to do? Hallelujah. Come on, somebody pray over your family. Lord, I've got religious family, but they need to go further. They need to take the next step, Lord. In the name of Jesus. say I feel that I need to say one thing he's not here today but brother Quatnor I told the story we're in my office he was an ordained minister in another Pentecostal organization and I asked him I said do you cast out devils in South Sudan he said oh yeah I said how do you do it he said in the name of Jesus I said, so you don't cast out devils in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? He said, no. I said, why not? He said, there's no authority. I said, Pastor, if there's no authority in the titles, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, why do you baptize in the titles and not in the name of Jesus? It's like a revelation hit him like a lightning bolt. He fell back in his chair. He said, oh, Pastor. He said, that's what Peter preached on the day of Pentecost. He started preaching to me. He said, tomorrow, my wife and I are going to be baptized. And we baptize Quad and Helena Nor in the name of Jesus. And let me tell you how you know somebody gets a revelation. He went back to South Sudan. He rebaptizes 40 pastors. And they all baptize their congregations. Why? Because there's no authority in the titles, Father, Son. The authority is in the name of Jesus. Jesus said that. Baptize in the name of the Father. Jesus said, my Father and I are one. The Father will send the Holy Spirit in my name. <laughs> Every time and without exception, believers were baptized in the book of Acts where we have actual recorded baptisms. Never in the titles. Always in the name of Jesus Christ. Maybe that's your next step today. Just obey the Lord. Obey the Lord. Now, I'm serious. I'm giving a challenge today. How many of you ever drive by a church congregation, a building somewhere? We all do. They're everywhere. And I thank God, you've heard me say this, if there's a Bible open on any pulpit in America or the world, I celebrate that. But if God broke in on religious people, in the book of Acts, he's still breaking in on religious people. Today. We're going to touch, reach the marginalized, but I'm going to tell you, there's going to be a great revival of revelation of the mighty God in Christ that is coming. Amen. It may not come to the head of a denomination, but it might. Amen. It may not come, amen, to some august body that's leading a 
a deno- an organization, a denomination somewhere. But let me tell you what denominations are good for. They're good for taking a step out and drawing a circle around themselves and saying that's all there is. There's no more revelation. And I'm telling you, God is breaking in and some people are taking steps out. Amen. And there's a revelation of the mighty God in Jesus Christ. I'm prophesying to you today, right now. I'm telling you the mighty God in Christ is breaking into this world. Jesus is going to be the most famous name and the most famous God in all the world. It's all about Jesus. I want you to lift your hands and open your mouth and I want you to pray for a church that's in your neighborhood. I want you to pray for a friend, somebody that you know that's religious, but perhaps they need to obey something more in the scripture. Lord, we're not being egotistical. We're not being arrogant. Lord, if that were the case, then the whole early church was arrogant. They should have just left religious people alone. But Lord, they taught, they preached, they spoke, they shared. And you broke in, oh God, in the name of Jesus. Come on, if you're a licensed preacher in our organization, you ought to be praying right now, God. I want to impact another youth pastor. I want to impact, Lord, another licensed minister. I want to have an impact in somebody's life. celebrate 34 years of leading this congregation and thank you we have not deviated one iota from the faith once delivered to the saints not one whit I cannot say that about my home church that produced me man took over that church they have not had a gathering since March of 2020 they are an internet church they sold their building 1.8 million dollars the pastor moved to Florida they have 235 minute internet services a week the worship leader his wife writes smutty porn novels under a ghost name She's on the worship team. And their daughter is engaged to be married to a woman. That's my home church. And a friend of mine, his brother, was fishing with that pastor not too long ago. And the pastor said, guys, nobody is lost. Nobody, whether they obey Jesus Christ or not, is lost. Now, I don't mind telling you, that breaks my heart and it upsets me if that is the truth. And I have no reason to doubt it. I just know what I've seen. I know what I know. And I'm not patting myself on the back. But I'm telling you, that's why you have to walk in the light. 
And you got to keep sin out of your life. Listen, if you ever allow sin into your life, it can deceive you. Paul said, because they received not the love of the truth, God sent them strong delusion. This is why this is so important today. You got to love the truth. Because if you don't love it, there are many false Christs. There are doctrines of devils. There are deceiving spirits and offensive spirits. People are being offended today and walking away from the truth. And that's why revelation feels just like deception because they both come from God. They both come from God. What about your revelation? Is it from God or are you deceived today? I can't afford to be deceived for the sake of my wife, my children, my grandchildren. For my own soul's sake. I got to keep sin out of my life. Because morality dictates theology. good if we just all repent right now. Come on. I, I feel that right now. Come on, lift your hands and repent. Say, God, forgive me of my sins. Lord, I want to get the junk out of my life. Lord, I want to live godly. Do justly, love mercy, walk humbly. Come on. Get the nuts out of your life. Get the junk out of your life. Get the sin out of your life. Come on. Repent of your sins today. I'm calling on the life church to repent. Get out of false doctrine. Get out of the lies and the deceit. Get out of pop theology. Get out of it. It'll destroy. It'll never lead you to eternal life. Oh, somebody, where all the sinners go? Where did all the sinners go? Are there any sinners in the 21st century? Lord, create in me a clean heart and renew in me a right spirit. Praise God. Forgive me, Lord, of my sins. If you're ready to take a step, whatever it is, just would you come forward right now, wherever you are. If you walk with God for 30 days or 30 years, just come on up here. Come on, we're going to have a prayer meeting. If you need to just take another act of obedience, just another step in your relationship with Jesus Christ, this is why we come to church. Just come on. Come on, come and join us. Come and join us today. Come on, that's right. We're ever advancing. If you just need to forget something that's behind you and start reaching. If you're the one that needs to give up to go up, come on up here right now. That's it. Come on, guys. Come on, ladies. Let's reach for God right now. Let's reach for more. Come on, somebody reach for more right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Just reach for more. Reach for more. That's it. Humble yourself and reach for more. 
Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. And he will exalt you. Thank you for listening to this message. For more content, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at the Life Church KC. Reference the episode notes for more details.